This week's Four Questions Journalist Spotlight is brought to you by Lefts Atlanta Media, Atlanta's best journalist database. Subscribe at leftsatlantamedia.com. Welcome to another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight, where we are talking with yet another awesome journalist from Atlanta and or Georgia, since we're kind of expanding outside the perimeter once in a while here, but not today. Today we are ITP, slightly, maybe sometimes OTP a little bit, but not as far as last week's, which went all the way to Nevada. But we're talking to George Cheedy today, and uh, I'm not going to say George Cheedy with, because George Cheedy's with a lot of places. So we're going we're gonna to talk about kind of everything that's going on. But uh, before we do that, tell me a little bit about George Cheedy. How'd you get to where you are today and uh, with a little about your journalism background? So my life is weird. Like I always have to start with that. Like, I love I, weird. Uh, weird is weird is great. I get more viewers and listeners if I say I got a weird guest today. Yep. Um, I bounce back and forth between being a, a journalist and being an you know an activist or something like that, um, and I have for a long time. Um, but uh, I started off my journalism career in the army. I was an army journalist. Um, I covered infantry training in the Pacific. Um, with the 25th Infantry Division up until 1999, um, which was interesting. Like, uh, once upon a time, I was skinny. Um, <laughs> um, finished college in UMass, at UMass Amherst and uh, started writing about technology in uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, which is to say I covered the dot-com crash in Boston. And... Um, let me that left me in the wilderness for a little while because everything went everything went screwy um found myself teaching middle school as a as a middle school substitute for a while like it was madness um decided i wanted to be a journalist again uh, in between there i worked on some politics in boston i should say um i ran as an independent for a state house seat in Massachusetts 20 years ago. That's a fun fact nobody knows. Um, I had a problem with a corrupt politician and I decided to just do something about it myself. I got spanked. I got smoked like a sausage. <laughs> I got whipped like cream. Like I would have been a, I would have been a good breakfast actually. Um, the uh, But I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot about politics by going and trying to do it. Um, and so I ended up in North Carolina at a small paper in North Carolina for a year writing about politics, and the AJC hired me. Um, and I covered uh, growth and development and business and crime, and that's the thing that's important. They shifted me to a crime beat, and I hated it. I still hate crime. I still hate writing about crime. Um, the problem is I'm good at it. Um, so I left the AJC, got an MBA, um, and then started freelancing for whoever. I found myself writing a lot about inequality and crime and social problems around Atlanta. At that point, I got hired to be an activist for Central Atlanta Progress, working on quality of life problems and homelessness downtown in Atlanta. I did that for a few years. Um, left there to go to a housing startup. And then suddenly, like COVID hits, and I'm a journalist again. I, I'm one of these guys. Like journalism, by the way, 
his uh, fraught, ridiculous, difficult business to be in. And most people don't make any money at it. I'm still kind of shocked that I'm able to keep my a roof over my head as a freelance guy. Um, well, there's, I tell you, there's, there's a lot of folks I, I know around, around Atlanta and, uh, and other places that, that make a, make a pretty good living doing freelance, freelance work. Some, some of them are working for one publication. Some are working for 10, uh, you gotta, you gotta be a good, a good, smart business person to be able to do it too, right? I, I think so. Like, it's all about hustle. Um, you, you see something that's worth writing about, you jump on it as quickly as you can, and you establish relationships early so that you've got a place to go when you need to. Um, so I've written for Atlanta Magazine, I've written for um, The Guardian, Vice, um, whoever had a paycheck with Coinbase, like Coindesk. Like I saw some stuff on like cryptocurrency, and I'm like, oh, I I know enough about that to give you a story, and <laughs> oh, we will give you a four hundred dollar check. And I'm like I will take that four hundred dollar check. Thank you very much. Um, the uh, so so now I write for Decaturish, and that's where I put like local political stuff. Um, when it's a more like statewide or national story, I'll write for the Intercept, which is a publication that's focused on sort of adversarial journalism. It's much more investigative. But the bulk of my time right now, oh, by the way, I also appear on Fox 5 as a sort of a an opinion columnist, which is bizarre. Like it's TV and opinion at the local level. Um, yeah, I'm a talking head. Well, and, so, so, talk, so talk about, I want to make sure we talk about the the Fox Five, the show that you started doing, yeah. So is that um, is that in addition to what you're just talking about the opinion columnist? Yeah. So it's it's yes, it's in addition to that. Okay. Um, the uh, once a month or so, I do a five minute bit for Fox Five Atlanta uh, called "Like It or Not," which is looking at this, that, or the other thing. But ever since the the street protests of last year, I've been working on a. a quarterly series called The Next Atlanta, where we basically check in with the city and with the powers that be to see whether or not they're actually living up to all of the promises that were made while people were in the street. Um, like what's working, what's different, diff what's not, and most importantly, what uh, what are the, why are, why is the world the way it is right now? Like if there's a Look, we all recognize the problems around equity and social justice and racial inequality. Um, they persist for reasons. They're not, it's, we would solve these things tomorrow if there was a simple solution that everybody agreed on. Um, the problem is that doesn't exist. And so it's, that's the thing you want to explore. What are the roadblocks? That's what the next Atlanta is about is, like why? Why haven't we done this yet? Why does it look like this? Um, and that's a and that's a quarterly show. Is that right? It's quarterly, and the next one will be uh, we'll be filming that um, about three weeks from now, and we're looking at how the political environment here is dealing with this massive increase in crime. Um, violent crime is warping politics all over Metro Atlanta right now, and for good reasons. Like it's a real problem. Right, right. Um, but it would be very easy to backtrack on 
some of the you know progressive reforms that everybody had been looking at when people were in the street last year. And that sort of dichotomy is that's that's what that show's about. Okay. So so quarterly for now and so, then we're we, we, doing we, that weekly like weekly focus of my life. Yeah. So so you're gonna go from quarterly to weekly on that show at some point? Okay. I don't I'm know. kidding. I'm kidding. That's a lot, that's a lot of work. That's a lot oh, of work. They might. That's a lot they of might. work. Like it's 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 a popular show. I'm a little surprised. Yeah. People stop me on the street and say they saw it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. I'm a talking <laughs> big potato. Like, how do you even recognize me? Um, the uh, most of my time though is spent on uh, a newsletter. Amazingly enough, which has become very lucrative, uh, called um, the Atlanta Objective where I'm like deep diving into the crime problem and where, where the crime problem came from and how to fix it. Uh, so where can folks find that newsletter? So go to the next, I'm sorry. That's, that's the other one. Uh, go to the Atlanta objective dot substack dot com. Yeah. That's the Atlanta objective dot substack dot com. Okay. All right. So, we started talking earlier, I think before we came recording, about how the how reporting has changed for you during the pandemic. <clears throat> we, you and I were kind of talking about some of the, the the good and the bad of that. Yeah, so it's kind of a double edged sword. Like, if you're a journalist, you kind of need to be where everything is happening. In other words, what makes you different from some guy sitting on their couch? Um, but I'm learned to hate having to leave the house if I can avoid it. Um, like there's some value in knowing that sources can, um, you could get somebody on a, on a zoom call eventually and have a, a conversation that the public will view as valid and legitimate. Um, like the problem is you've got a lot of folks who are working remotely and I respect re- remote work. I'm remote working right now, but um, the, uh, people don't, people don't leave their, their cell phones on. Like you'll drop an email on someone and you'll get a response in three days. And as a journalist, it makes you have an aneurysm and die. Right. Sure. Um, the other thing is that I spent a lot of time over the last year writing about, um, politics and, uh, protest. At, and so I found myself in the street one year ago today, I'm in the street. Like with other people, I'm running up and down the street watching people breaking windows um, because I wanted to see that firsthand. Uh, we, like we're in this media environment where everybody's lying like hell all the time. Um, and the only way to beat that is to be uh, an eyewitness present in the moment with a camera running so that you can prove that what you've just said is true. Right, and that means being out, out and about. So, I, and we've kind of hit this a little bit, but what are some? Are there some specific issues and stories that you you're going to be covering for the show coming up in a couple of weeks, while well, taping in a couple of weeks, and then kind of in general in your writings, are there? What are the top issues that you really want to be on covering and, and focused on? So right now, like the thing that's floating under the radar, that it's going to explode, like it's going to, it may define news for the year, is the degree to which there's been a music industry gang war going on in the streets of Atlanta for the last year or two. Um, yeah, it's 
people sort of vaguely aware that, yeah, hey, a rapper got shot, you know, and then it just sort of fades out. Turns out most of this stuff is connected one way or another to each other, and it's part of a, a pattern that's responsible for probably about half of the increase in crime in the city of Atlanta over the last 12 months. Um, I, I was a bit surprised myself when I saw just how, how much of it could be attributed to this. Um, so massive crime spike, biggest in the country. Um, you have a new police chief, and we're in an election year where Kasim Reed is talking about <laughs> coming back into and Kasim Reed is like an enemy of journalists. I'm just going to tell you that. Like, it's more than torpy. Like, he's like when your communications director is being criminally charged, like, for not giving you the information you're supposed to get, like, you know, there's a problem. Yeah, there, there is. Yeah, I, I we, we could spend a, a whole show kind of dealing with some of that kind of stuff that, that happened with the release of documents and, and all of that. Um, 1.4 million pieces of paper printed <laughs> out just just to screw with us. I know. Many of which were blank. <laughs> I know. But yeah, so I'm going to get to see from the police on the show, and we're going to talk about what what the plan looks like. Um, and I really want to talk about some of the, like there's a fine line between vigilance and hysteria with what's going on in Buckhead and crime right now. Um People have a reason to be concerned, like crime has, has risen in Buckhead, but it's not nearly as significant as it is in downtown and midtown and other parts of the city. And like, I, I think that comparison is in order, and that's one of the things I'm looking at. So, it, so that, that's, a, that's a really interesting point. So is, is it just that when a crime happens in Buckhead, it gets a lot more media coverage because it's in Buckhead, Buckhead as opposed me, to – yeah. Let me put this in some perspective. As of May 13th, there were 48 homicides in the city of Atlanta. How many of those homicides do you believe were of white people? Bearing in mind, Buckhead is about 85% white. The answer is zero. Yeah. There has no white person has been murdered in the city of Atlanta in, the last, in this calendar year. Of the 232 gun assaults, in the city of Atlanta, six were white people. I'm trying to figure out whether or not anyone in Buckhead has actually been been shot. Um, it's not that, like who lives in Buckhead, and that's the important thing. Um, it's the residents of Buckhead who are concerned, but they're not actually the victims of the violence. It's people who are visiting, and I don't think they're they've really wrapped their heads around that. Right. Well, I mean, another, uh, how many shootings? Six, six shootings, seven shootings at Atlantic Square in the last year, right? Yeah, Which about that. Not necessarily, as you said, not necessarily residents, maybe people who are visiting or maybe people who are not from. People, people who work there, yeah. people who are visiting there, but not the people who live there. Um, and a lot of this speaks to like this really amazingly difficult split in wealth and inequality in the city of Atlanta. The average white household in the city of Atlanta has an income over $80,000 a year. The average black household, an income under $30,000 a year. It's the biggest split in the United yeah. States. Um, people are living in two different worlds right now. And uh, black Atlanta is hurting. So 
That's that's the focus of what I'm writing about these days. All right. So let's get to the the more challenging questions here. This is this is gonna be the hardest question. This is always the hardest questions. I fear what's, nothing. What's what is the coolest thing about George Cheney? Oh, no, no, no. I see that's the that is a hard problem question. Because I'm a dork nerd, dweeby, blurred. I am a not there's nothing cool about me at all. Like I'm I'm Urkel with more body weight. <laughs> all um, right, what's so what, what what's your favorite what what's what's your favorite hobby that you do? Maybe, maybe this will kind of bring it home for us. What's what 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 does George do when he's not when he's not uh, on t- what do you got? What do you got? I play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh awesome. That's cool. That's what yeah. I do. Like I in fact I'm like uh mildly obsessive right now about trying to build a uh a an African themed Dungeons and Dragons setting. Um and I spend all, all way too much time writing about that. I spent there are days when I've blown deadlines because I was writing the Dungeons and Dragons stuff instead of instead of like real stuff that will pay me. So do you have do you have a uh, a group that plays with you? I do, and it's funny, like they're all politicians and journalists. Um and and I'm and I've got a sort of a waiting list of other politicians <laughs> and journalists who want in. I, I um, haven't I haven't played D and D since a little since I played I played a little bit in high school, but I haven't played much. <laughs> I haven't played much it, since since then. So it got super popular um, about five or six years ago again, and then during the pandemic it exploded. People were playing it with their friends over over Zoom, okay. basically. All right, okay, um, so the best year ever. All right, so last book that you've read that you want to admit to publicly? Uh, Americana by uh, um, Sarah. Who wrote Americana? Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Amazing book. All right, favorite Atlanta restaurant. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Um, I've been thinking about this because I love I eat. Um, I'm gonna go with Sushi Yoko. That's good. Is, is that the one by Lennox? Uh, no, it's actually over. It's this hole in the wall, Lincoln. You miss it over a Winter's Chapel Road, like near Norcross. No, oh, okay. Um, and it is authentic and everybody there is Japanese and you walk in, you're like, eh, Hey, wait a minute. Um, with a little Japanese, um, market attached to the, the store and it's the best. It's All the right. best. Favorite, okay. So we favorite guilty pleasure. I think we, I think we covered that one. Yeah. Um, local getaway. What's a, what's a place you like to get away to? <sighs> the goat farm. Oh, what's the goat if farm? You, you, the goat farm is this anachronism in the middle of Atlanta. And I fear it's going to go away. Like go over like to West side provisions and behind West side provisions on a back road is a literal goat farm. Like, and this these bombed out buildings that look like it was a 1880s cotton mill um, that's falling down. It's been taken over by artists. There's a little coffee shop called the War Horse, which is generally not open. Hmm. Um, generally, and, that sounds yeah. like a good. That sounds like a good business model. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it is an anti-business model. Like, and you're looking around, like, what what is this place? Um, but it's populated by artists, and um, they shot some of the Hunger Games there. Believe okay. it or not, um, 
it's uh, just a fabulous place to go right. I can see they're, they're about, screw the man. We're not going to open. We're going to say closed. That's our business. We're not going to yeah. open. It's more like they've got to put up a giant go away sign <laughs> like at the front. Like it's, it's, that's the idea. <laughs> that's great. Oh, okay. So, so I got to ask you, so back to D and D for a second. So are you, so if you looked at George, are you a wizard, a warrior, a scout? What's your, what's your character? God help me. I'm a bard. You're a bard. Oh, okay. A bard. That's, that's awesome. That, and that makes sense. Yes. Although I would call myself a griot. But yes, a bard. That's right. that's me. So you do want to sing us out today? No. No. no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So is there anything we haven't talked about about stuff you're working on that, that folks should know about? I think we kind of hit uh, hit hit the high points, and I'll uh, I'll drop in some graphics here and there too. I I think that's about it. It's this thing with the newsletter is fascinating. Um, it's supported by subscribers, and um, the Substack is this venture capital backed attempt at uh, making uh, independent news more relevant, and more profitable. Um, and they are very supportive of what I'm doing here. I'm one of six news news reporters nationally that they've um, chosen to partner with directly um, because they think that what I'm looking at is a big deal. Um, the The Atlanta objective is uh, turning into an obsession for me right now. Um, and I have the freedom to go and do and say whatever the hell I want with it without having to worry about getting fired. Yeah. And as a journalist, there's nothing to, better. It's good not to be fired. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, what do you, what do you think? People. What do you think about? Uh, there's been a couple of um, black focused news operations that have popped up recently. You, know, you got the Black News yeah. Channel that's popped up, and then the other one is uh, the Black Information Network on what it, what was WGST. What are your yep. thoughts on on those two operations? So I'm glad that I'm starting to see more. Um, African-American focused news in part because like when you're watching like local TV, like out of a 22 minute news hole, you're going to see six minutes of crime coverage and which is going to be a parade generally of black faces who are shown as criminal suspects without any context whatsoever. Um, and it actually creates as much of the problem as it solves um, seeing uh, African-American oriented news trying to get at this stuff is a big deal. Um, uh, I think that ultimately solves problems. Um, it's more than just representation and diversity. Like there are legitimate issues that are happening in the, in the black community that everybody else just doesn't know. Like the black community understands it to some degree, but they need someone knocking on the door. Um, and that's it's good. I think it's a good thing. Does it? But does it create a kind of a echo chamber of an echo chamber? Is maybe not the right word, but it, does it appeal? Do those networks appeal to just black audiences, or do you think they appeal to a wider audience, a white audience as well? It's a it's a fair question, um, and uh, I think they're all going to wrestle with that because I and I know that people are going to say. Like, well, you should just keep the black dollar within the black community and you shouldn't have to appeal to a white audience and whatnot. And then you die economically. I mean, that's the story. Um, 
the uh, I think eventually they are going to have to be able to appeal to a wide audience. Um, but what does that appeal actually look like? Like if it's done on terms that do not diminish, uh, you know, the black voter, the black experience, where you're not, um, where you're not exploiting black people in order to create a, a white audience, I think you're fine. Like, and maybe a new model will emerge from this. Yeah. So that, so those are two that I mentioned. Are there any others that, that have shown recently that are worth oh, mentioning? Aaron Haynes, former AJC oh, yeah, reporter. Yeah. Aaron Haynes has got, I think it's the 19th. Yes, um, the 19th project. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And uh, I'm, I might be wrong there. Hang on a second. I'm just going to check. Aaron Haynes. God, uh, I love being at home. Um, the uh, Yeah, the 19th. Um, so Politico is starting to complain that the 19th is getting all the good interviews with the Biden <laughs> administration. Literally, that was a story that came up this morning. Um, and Aaron Haynes is Aaron, Aaron's is awesome. Aaron, she's, she's so, yeah, she's great. Yeah, I, um, she was. I, I was so disappointed when she left Atlanta, but uh, yeah, me too. She's she's incredible. Yeah, but that that's the thing. Like when we're talking about like the sort of narrow appeal, and then you look at the nineteenth, and oh no, wait a minute, like she's killing it. Like everybody needs to read the nineteenth. That's the only place you're going to get some of this stuff, right? Like, and there it is. And I I I feel the same way. Like the things that I'm writing about, like I plainly have. Uh, interest within the black community of figuring out how to reduce crime, but it's a universal we were story. Having this conversation earlier about what's a good length for a podcast, so we are there. <laughs> we are at that perfect length of a podcast. So I'm going to say thank you, thank you, George, for for taking some time with us, and uh, we will uh, see everyone next week for another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. Thank you, George. Thank you.